Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Check, check, one, two, check, one, two. Good morning, Hill City Church. How are you? Cool, cool. Look, my name is Corey. I am part of the team here. And uh, this is wild. This is wild for so many reasons. Uh, have you ever had somebody pray for you for something, like for a long time, and then they keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, and you really don't necessarily want to do the thing that they're praying for you about, right? But then, like, it all comes full circle, and you're like, oh, okay, well, now I kind of want to do this, right? Well, this is that moment right here today. <laughs> this is that moment for sure. Um, thank you. So everything good that I'm going to say is brought to you by those prayers. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and say that. All right, so we are in this series talking about parables, right? We're in this series talking about these stories that Jesus told. And uh, Jesus can sometimes be a little heady. He can sometimes say stuff like, what are you talking about, Jesus? I don't know what you're talking about, right? But every now and then, he tells stories and he breaks these big parables down into everyday life so that me and you can understand them. And I have the pleasure of talking to you guys today about one of those parables. And when I got this parable, I was super excited because this parable is about a party, all right? I know at Hill City, we're party people. This is what we do, okay? Like, we party well, okay? I remember when I first came here, my first time coming in, and they had, like, confetti falling from the sky. And I'm like, what's this about? What in the world? What kind of church am I at, right? But then I got used to it, and I'm like, okay, we're having this, this party. So, so today I'm going to tell you about a party that Jesus is throwing, and hopefully we will attend this party. Um, so let's go to Luke 14, 16 through 24. The illest party ever. Yes, exactly. That's the title of my sermon. All right. Uh, here we go. Here we go. 16 through 24. Oh, lost my spot. All right. So here we go. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began to make excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and I must go inspect it. Please, excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I might want to try them out. So please, excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. That's actually a good excuse. But... The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the servant had done this, he reported. There is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that this house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this uh, just scripture that you've given us, this story that you want to tell us. Um, let them see all of you today, Lord God, and none of me. Um, just let them have ears to hear and uh, hearts open to receive. Uh, thank you so much for what you're doing in our church and what you're doing throughout this country. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. All right. So growing up, right, growing up, my mother and father, my parents were all about trying to figure out what kind of kids they had. Like, this was their thing, right? Like, if the Enneagram test was out back then, we definitely would have took the Enneagram test, like 100%, right? 
So in that, we're taking a lot of tests. They're trying to, you know, like run little things on us, like trying to figure out our personalities, trying to figure out our like temperament, trying to figure out like kind of our trajectory for life. So with that, we took the infamous love language test, right? Because my parents wanted to know, how can we love you better, Corey? Right? Yeah, exactly, love language test, right? I'm sure you guys have taken it before. So in that, I took, or when, when I took my test, it came back that I loved gifts. Gifts was when I felt most appreciated, most seen, most heard, loved, and all that kind of stuff, right? Now, to be honest, I don't know if that really was my love language or was I just being a 10-year-old kid. I'm not sure which one, but it was one of the two, right? So then I go through life a little bit, and, you know, I, I get through college, and I kind of get through, you know, uh, I mature a little bit, and I do my thing, and I realize that these gifts aren't hitting the same. Like, these gifts just aren't doing it the way they used to when I was a kid. So I take the test again. Take the test again, it comes back that now my love language is quality time, okay? Now, quality time, man, that is my thing. Like, that is my, uh, I love it, right? And I know a lot of times when we think of quality time, we think of like one-to-one, -one, like me and you hanging out, going to the movies, going to the football game, doing whatever, right? But for me, it's like 10 people, like 10 or 20, like the more the merrier. I am all about getting quality time. That is when I feel most loved, most heard, most seen, and appreciated, right? Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here. This isn't in the Bible, but this is just what I feel like sometimes, right? I think that Jesus' love language was quality time too, if you ask me, right? I mean, just think about how we read through the narrative of Scripture, right? And it says that uh, he walked with Adam through the cool of the day, right? Or even it says that he stands on the, uh, uh, at the heart or at the uh, doorstep of our heart and knocks and wants to have this relationship with us, right? And then all through Scripture, we see Jesus like really, really, really wanting to have this true relationship with us, right? We, we, like, we, we kind of see him saying, hey, spend time with me. I want to spend time with you. So I really believe that Jesus' love language was absolutely quality time. And if you want to argue with me, let's do it for two seconds. All right, here we go. It can't be gifts. I don't think it can be gifts. Like, when was the last time you bought Jesus an air fryer? You didn't, right? It can't be physical touch, because you can't touch Jesus to make him feel love. Like, it can't be physical touch, right? And especially if you can touch Jesus, you definitely shouldn't be here. Like, we should be following you, right? Um, I can see the argument for words of affirmation, and I can see the argument for acts of service. You know, Jesus did have, like, all, like a million names, and he wants to be called all these names to be affirmed and things like that, right? And maybe even acts of service, we're called the, you know, the, uh, the hands and feet of Christ. So I get those. But... 100% you cannot tell me that it wasn't quality time based on the scriptures and based on uh, just the Bible and how he kind of woos us into this relationship. And then even here in this parable, Jesus is inviting us to spend quality time with him as believers, right? He's saying, hey, I'm throwing this big party and I want all y'all to be a part of it. I want all y'all to come. Right? So quality time is kind of the narrative of what Jesus wants with his people. Now, when I get invited to stuff, I don't know about you guys, but Jesus here is inviting us to spend time with him. And when I get invited to stuff, I think of two things. The first thing I think about is who's inviting me. Okay? Who's inviting me to do what? Like, what do y'all want me to do? And like, who's inviting me? Because I personally am not going to hang out with somebody that I don't like intentionally, right? Like, I'm just not going to do it, right? And I don't think you guys would either, right? And then the second thing 
is what are you inviting me to? Where are we going, right? Now, me as an Enneagram 7, if those two things line up, oh, it's about to be stupid. We about to have crazy fun. Like, it's about to be next level fun if those two things line up. If I like the person that I'm with and I like the place that we're going, psh, it's a wrap, it's over. Like, you can cancel Christmas, we going crazy, right? Now, I've been in situations where those two things don't line up, right? And that's not necessarily a bad thing, like I'm gonna have fun regardless, but it just won't be like optimal fun, right? It just won't be like the greatest time ever. It might just be a good time. So for example, I got, I got a lot of friends here at Hill City, right? I got a lot of friends here, we hang out outside of Sunday, we do what we do, right? So that first one lines up. I love the people that I'm hanging out with, but I don't always like where we go. Don't always like where we go, all right? For example, a brewery. I hate breweries. I cannot stand breweries. Like, stop inviting me to breweries. And like, not even, like, not even because like, you know, the drinking alcohol, like, that's fine. Not because of that. But more so like, I just don't get the concept of a brewery, bro. I just don't get it. Like, you go to this place, you sit on a hard bench, it's usually like 100 degrees outside, right? And you drink beer. That just doesn't sound like fun to me. I don't know. So like, stop inviting me to breweries. <laughs> I love hanging out with y'all, but just don't invite me to breweries. Right. But, so let's plug in this equation right here. Let's plug in this equation to what Jesus is inviting us to, right? We say that we love Jesus. We say we follow Jesus. We say Jesus is Lord and we gave him our life, right? And that's the first part. So we can check that off the list. Now, the second part is what is he inviting us to? And this is where I believe us as the church and us as kingdom citizens we always don't understand what we're actually being invited to. And this is why we make the excuses that we make, because we don't understand where we're, what we're really being invited to. Now, Hill City is a cool church, so you guys are cool people. You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys are probably the cool kids in school. You guys probably got invited to all the popping parties, and, you know, you go through high school, and you probably got invited to more popping parties, and then even in corporate America, and, you know, we're like real adults now, so we work and stuff like that. And there's even, you know, social status events that you go to. So, like, imagine getting invited to the Met Gala. Like, that's a big deal, right? The Met Gala is a big deal. Or imagine getting invited to, like, the correspondence dinner at, like, the White House. Like, that's a, that's a huge invite, right? Like, there's no way that you're missing those invites or whatever, you know, it's a big invite for you. Imagine getting invited to those things. Like, you'll probably make excuses for other things because you absolutely want to go to those things, right? So I believe that we oftentimes don't understand exactly what Jesus is inviting us to or we wouldn't make the excuses that we make, right? Um, we have the disconnect from accepting the invite to actually going to the party. That's two separate things. There's one part where Jesus says, hey, give me your life, and you say, okay, yes, I'm following Jesus. I wanna get saved. You have my life, right? That's one thing, and that's actually accepting the invite. But then it's a whole different thing to actually go to the party. Two completely different things. Right? And that disconnect can sometimes happen because we as believers in Jesus may not understand what the party is. We may think, oh, now I'm a Christian. That means I go to church on Sundays. Or, oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I follow Jesus. So that may mean that I might give now a little bit more or I might be a little nicer because now I'm a Christian, right? But like, we don't really understand what Jesus is inviting us to. D, it's way more than just church, bro. 
you got, you got to tell them, bro, it's way more than just church. It, it's way more than just coming here on a Sunday. It's way more than just giving your tithes and offerings or being nice to people. Jesus is inviting us uh, uh, essentially to this thing called the kingdom, right? This is an opportunity to get to know Jesus on a personal level, a personal level, right? Like, 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 We've heard of Jesus. Everybody in the world has heard of Jesus, right? Like, we know of that guy. We know he did good things. We know that he's like, you know, he's, he's a good person. But do you know him? Like, know him. Like, the way you know your community around here, the way that you know your husband or wife, the way that you know your girlfriend, like, do you know Jesus? Like, my mother, my mother, that woman knows Jesus. Listen, I'm not even gonna lie to y'all, man. Like, she would tell me stuff that I didn't tell her, that Jesus told her, and I'm like, oh, no, nah, she knows Jesus for real, for real. <laughs> she knows Jesus, right? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, Jesus is inviting us into this personal relationship with him. That's what he wants. That's what he longs for is this personal relationship. So that's, that's, that's the first thing, an opportunity to get to know him on a personal level. It's an opportunity to get to share in his plans for humanity. Jesus says, hey, God said, I created this whole world, now you guys run it for me. I created all of this, now you guys have dominion over it. You guys make sure everything work, works out the way it's supposed to work out. I'm giving you guys power and authority to do a lot in, in, inside this world, right? It, it's it's kind of like Jesus gave us this backstage pass and said, hey, this is what I want to do through you. It's like you have this VIP lanyard going to a concert and you have green room access and you get to see in on Jesus' plans on what he wants to do in this earth through us. Like, that's a big deal, y'all. Like, that is a huge deal. And this is what Jesus is inviting us to. He's inviting us into this eternal relationship with the creator of the world. This isn't small stuff. This is huge. And this is what it is to be invited into the kingdom of God. But what do we do? We make excuses. Ah, oh, I can't go. My breath stinks. I, I can't go to church today. Ah, oh, I can't go to church today. I got to count these trees in my neighborhood. Yeah, these, these trees need counting. I can't go. Right? We make all these excuses about why we can't come into this kingdom. And don't get me wrong, the church is not the kingdom as a whole, but the church is a part of the kingdom. Okay? So I'm not, this is not just about church attendance, but this is about kingdom attendance. Okay? All those things that we just mentioned earlier. And I believe in my heart, y'all, oh my gosh, I believe this in all my heart, and I'm talking to myself when I say this. I believe that it is our entitlement that causes us to miss out on what we've been invited to. It's our entitlement. For some reason, we have been told that church is about us. We've been told the kingdom is about us. We've been sold and conditioned and, and coddled into belief that this thing is about us. This thing is for us. This thing uh, is good for us. God wants us to come into this, but it's not about us. As soon as it becomes about us, we can make excuses about why we don't want to do this thing because it's not convenient anymore, right? We're not comfortable, but it's not about your comfort. It's not about your convenience. If we understood what we've been invited to, we would have a whole different mindset of what it means to be joining the kingdom of God. Our entitlement causes us to miss out what we've actually been invited to. And the sad part about it is that this narrative 
is oftentimes perpetuated right here in church. And nobody's going to come out and just say, oh, yeah, church is about you. Don't, don't worry about Jesus. Like, nobody's going to say that. Like, of course, not going to say that. But indirectly, we've been told this, and it kind of sounds like this. We've been told that God loves us regardless of what we do. You can do anything. God's going to love you regardless, which is true. I'm not saying that's not true. But at the same time, that downplays the importance of us living right, right? Paul said, and in Romans, he said, so like someone said, so should I like just keep sinning? If God's going to keep grace on grace on grace, should I just keep sinning? And Paul's like, heck no, you shouldn't keep sinning. What's wrong with you? No, right? He says, yes, you'll get like, like he affirms that there's grace for everything, but at the same time, he puts the emphasis on living right too. And that's important. But again, we've been conditioned that church is about us, that the kingdom is about us. So we don't have this emphasis sometimes in our lives, right? We're told, it sounds like this too, we're told that we don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Woo, that's the one right there. That's that one, right? Let me ask you this, married folk, it'd be kind of difficult if your spouse never came home at night, right? That'd be kind of difficult to have a marriage or kind of difficult to have a relationship, right? So why, as a Christian, would you not want to go to church? Why, as a Christian, would you not want to experience this beautiful community of believers? Because we're entitled, and we've been told we don't have to do that. The church has set up so many ways for it to be convenient for people to go that as soon as it becomes inconvenient, we make excuses. Dude, nobody said nothing up here in this Presbyterian church. I'm going to say that one more time because that was good when I wrote that. I was like, that's going to hit. <laughs> I said the church has set up so many ways for it to be convenient for us to go that as soon as it becomes an inconvenience, I can't go. There's too many people in there. Yeah. I, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I can't go. They don't got the right person preaching today. I can't go. Pastor's jeans are too tight. <laughs> right? And we make all these excuses about why we can't come into this beautiful thing called the kingdom of God. 2020 was a very, very difficult year for a lot of people. Very difficult. Right? We got in these rhythms of life. We got in this regular, you know, I wake up, I go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to sleep wake up Tuesday, go to work, come home, go to sleep, wake up Wednesday, go to work, come home, go to sleep. And those were our rhythms. Those were our rhythms, right? 2020 happens, now you do everything at home. You sleep at home, you eat at home, you party at home, you go to church at home. <laughs> and everything was at home. And then the world opens up a little bit and people feel more comfortable about coming out, right? And why is it that 58% of churches across America lost 50% of their congregations. Because we discovered this thing called the weekend. That's why. We said, hold up. The weekend's Sunday too? Oh, snap. I ain't never heard of this day called Sunday. It's just like Saturday? I don't have to do anything? I can just roll over, log in, and watch more online? Oh, I love this. I love this. Right? Because it was convenient. Because it was comfortable. Now,
Now, for those of y'all who watched online and now you're in service, right? Like, you know there's a difference between watching online and actually being here in the church. So don't even front as if I'm still going to church, right? Like, don't even, like, don't even play that card because you know it's a complete difference. But you miss out on so much when you're not kingdom-minded. You miss out on so much when you look at church as just like this social club. And you say, I'm, I'm going to go to church. I'll stay there for an hour. Thank God it's only an hour. Oh, my goodness. That's perfect for me, right? You stay here for an hour, you kind of sit in the back and you sneak out and nobody knows your name. You didn't meet anybody, you didn't build any kingdom connections, right? And you kind of just kind of slide under the radar, right? And that's what we've gotten accustomed to sometimes here in this American church, right? We downplay the implications of a relationship with Jesus because at the end of the day, if we're honest, Nicole said this earlier, so I didn't say this, don't judge me. Email Nicole. <laughs> uh, she, uh, 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 we feel like we're okay with or without him, for real, for real. Like, all right, I'm gonna break this down for y'all real quick. So peep this out. When you first came to Jesus and you first got, you know, you say, I'm gonna follow Jesus, I wanna get saved, some people call it getting saved, you wanna, you know, make the Lord the light of, of your life, all, all, all that stuff. I'm sure there was some kind of like, oh, you get eternal life, like that's part of the benefits package, is that you're gonna go to heaven. If we take heaven off the table real quick, just hypothetically speaking, take heaven off the table, you probably think you're a good person. You probably think, well, I'm, I'm pretty good. Like, I go, you know, I go, I go to church, I, I pay my taxes, I haven't been to jail, you know what I'm saying? I haven't done anything too crazy. I'm probably a good person, right? And if that was the case, then why does Jesus come? Because Jesus doesn't come for good people. If we think we're good people, and we do, if we're honest, we think we're good people. The Bible tells us uh, in Psalms, it says a man's ways is always right in, 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 in his own eyes, right? Because we think we're good, right? I love this scripture where Jesus is having a conversation uh, with the uh, rich young ruler. It's in the New Testament. And, you know, the rich young ruler is starting out the conversation, and he says, he starts off with good teacher. He's talking to Jesus. He says, good teacher. And Jesus stops him immediately in his tracks and says, why do you call me good? Man, now we know Jesus is good, so that's not why I was tripping, because we know Jesus is good. But Jesus is trying to change that young man's framework that there's no such thing as a good person. Jesus didn't come for good people, right? Jesus came for people who aren't good, and that's me and you, <laughs> right? So we have to get this thing out of our head about, oh, I'm a good person. No, you're not, okay? Paul says we have all sinned. I'm sorry, you're not. <laughs> we have all sinned and fell short of the glory of God and this is why we need a savior. This is why we need to be in the kingdom. This is why we need this community of believers. This is why we have to be desperate for Jesus because we need him. And so many often times it's the opposite way around. Jesus is desperate for us, but we're not desperate for him. Breaking news, guys. Jesus doesn't need us. <laughs> he wants us. He loves us. He says, I call you friend. He says, you know, I, like all the good things. Like he's, he's literally waiting for us to accept this invite, like literally, right? But he doesn't need us. He doesn't necessarily say, I can't live without you, right? Like, like he doesn't need us. But we've oftentimes have this mindset that Jesus needs us. But 
we are missing the desperation of needing a savior. We're missing the desperation of needing to be here. We're missing the desperation of understanding that Jesus died for my sins and I would be nowhere without him. Because you act totally different when you're desperate. Has anybody ever been desperate before? Exactly. Like imagine that feeling you had when you were desperate. You would do anything. You're like, listen, whatever I got to do to get whatever I need, I'm going to do that thing. I am desperate. Desperate. A couple years ago, I'll never forget this in my life. A couple years ago, my friend called me, 6.44 p.m. I'm sitting on my couch in my apartment. Uh, He says, Corey, I got two tickets to the national championship. Do you want to go? Backstory, I'm a huge Ohio State fan. Any Ohio State fans in the building? OH. I I heard somebody say it. That person's going to heaven, whoever that is. (laughs) Right? So I'm, I'm a huge Ohio State fan, right? So, like, like, it goes, like, Jesus, then, like, Ohio State. <laughs> like, it's pretty bad, right? So he called me, and Ohio State had, had, had gone to the national championship two years ago in, in, in Miami, Florida. So he called me and said, Corey, I got two tickets to go to the national championship. Do you want to go? What? Do I want to go? <laughs> he couldn't get the word go out his mouth before I was online looking for plane tickets. Right? I'm thinking, all right, if I leave from Richmond, I'll get to Miami, direct flight, probably about an hour and a half flight. I'll probably be there a little earlier. He'll probably pick me from the airport. We'll be all good. Or if I leave from D.C., it probably got stopped in Atlanta, but it's okay because it's a little cheaper from D.C., so I'll do that, and we'll get to Miami right then. Or if I take the Amtrak, a little 10-hour, you know, train ride, mm, I'll be good, right? Like, I'm thinking of all these scenarios in my head about what I got to do to get down there because I am desperate. I am desperate to get to the national championship. Right? When was the last time you've experienced that desperation of needing Jesus, of needing that Savior, of feeling your brokenness, feeling your emptiness, feeling uh, uh, just everything that comes along with life sometimes, right? And you're looking for everything else to be fulfilled, but you haven't gave Jesus a fair shot. You haven't gave Jesus that fair chance. You, we need to be desperate for Jesus. It's funny because Jesus is more willing to save sinners than sinners are to be saved. And that's a hard truth. It's funny how, how Jesus displays the actions that we should be displaying for him. We got to be desperate, y'all. Desperate for his love. Desperate for his kindness. Desperate for him. Right? And not even for the things, I know some of y'all, we all come to Jesus different ways. Right? And some of you heard, if I come to Jesus, everything is going to be okay. And everything is going to be all right. Or he'll give me this or he'll give me that. Right? And Jesus is saying, hey, stop reaching for what's in my hands and just go for my heart. Right? I think of the scripture that says, Matthew 6.33, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God. The kingdom. Don't seek church. Don't seek, right? The kingdom. He uses very specific language there. He says, seek the kingdom. Now, again, church is involved in that, but this is more so kingdom talk. There's more so kingdom talk than anything. So I want to make sure that that point is clear as well. But you know what we do? We're not desperate because we feel like that we're okay with or without him. We have this tendency to disregard the beauty of what the church is because of what we want church to be to us. We have the, 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 the tendency to disregard the beauty of what the kingdom is because of what we wanted to be to us. Somebody would say, oh, nobody spoke to me this morning when I came in, I'm leaving this church. 
I don't like the way Wag smiles on stage. I'm leaving this church. I don't like all that denim on stage you got on. I'm leaving this church. I don't like it. I don't like it. That's not Jesus, right? And we'll find all these excuses and reasons to leave the kingdom or leave the church, and we'll go to a different church. And the thing about it is those people will go to that church and then find reasons why they don't like that church. And they'll find, they'll go to a different church and find reasons why they don't like that church, right? All these petty reasons, all these petty excuses. And when you do that, you miss out on the beauty of what the church is, on the beauty of what the kingdom is. The fact that I typically would not see or hang out or cross paths with a lot of people inside here, but this place, uh, it's coming here that brings our worlds together, and now we build community and we find common ground through the gospel that only happens in the kingdom. You don't, you might not understand my culture, I always don't understand yours, but we're willing to live in that tension because of our commitment to Jesus is stronger than our commitment to our cultures. That only happens in the kingdom. The fact that our ages, our backgrounds, our experiences, our political affiliations are all different, but we strive to find the commonality because of our belief in Jesus. That only happens in the kingdom, y'all. So why are we making these excuses? Why are we saying, I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like doing that today. I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like joining a discipleship group. Got to get on Zoom and tell people all my business. (laughs) Tired of this Zoom. Right? And this is what we say. This This is that entitled talk. Because we believe it's about us and we're not thinking kingdom-minded. It's our attitudes towards the kingdom that can cause us to miss out on what this invite really means. Now, I'm gonna stop yelling for a second. Um, Let's look at these excuses that they made, because they sound a little familiar, if I'm honest. Um, In verse 16, uh, actually, let me see. Let's do verse 18. One of them said, I just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married so I cannot come. If we break these down and we look at them from the perspective uh, of 2022, right, they break down to three things. Materialism, work, and relationships. Materialism, work and relationships. So recently, someone gave me a PlayStation 5, bro. Like, gave it to me for free. Like, I know, it's crazy. Don't hate, appreciate, maybe next time you can participate. It's wild, like, that's a, like, like, you can't go in Walmart and buy a PlayStation 5 right now. Like, this is how exclusive they are, right? So someone gave me a PS5, and like, I'm at home playing it, you know what I'm saying, doing my thug thizzle, you know what I'm saying, playing 2K. You feel me? And I'm playing the game. It's Sunday morning. I said, I'll I'll, I'll play one game before I go to church, right? So I'm playing the game, and it's like, you know, it's time for me to get up and get out the house and go to church, right? But, like, the thought crossed my head and said, you know what? I I could watch online. Like, I really could be finishing this game. They made it so convenient for me. You know what I'm saying? I could be, right? Like, to this day, y'all, I'm so mad that I even thought about that. Like, it, it, it bothers me that that thought even crossed my head, right? The fact that I was thinking about continuing playing a game 
<laughs> and skip out on coming to this beautiful place? Like, that bothered me. But it's that materialism. And I don't know what your PlayStation is, or I don't know what your material thing is, but think about, like, I'm not saying that your material possessions should be drawing you closer to God, but they absolutely should not be drawing you away. I'll absolutely say that. I'll die on that hill any day, okay? Like, it's that materialism. It's the material things that you have should not be pulling you away from the kingdom, should not be pulling you away from the God, from God, right? The second one was work. Work was the second one. Now, hear me when I say this. Hear me clear when I say this, okay? We all have different schedules. We all work different jobs. We all, you know, got to do different things to make money and provide for ourselves, right? So I'm not telling you at all to quit your job and come to church. It's not what I'm saying right here now, okay? And it's not what I'm saying, right? And, and, and I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you have to work on Sunday. I get it. Some people have to work on Sunday, unless you work at Chick-fil-A. Shout out Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but what I am saying is, though, if you don't have to work on a Sunday or work on a day where something faith-based is going on, and you're still choosing to do that over some kind of kingdom activity, you might want to check that out. You might want to reprioritize. You might want to check your heart and evaluate, yo, am I really about this Jesus life? Am I really in these Jesus streets? Like, what am I really doing out here, right? Because your heart's affections should be towards, man, I got to go to work, but I really want to be here. Or it, it should be, you know what? I've made enough money. I'm good. I don't have to take that overtime. I don't got to work on Sunday. Let me go ahead and see what Hill City is talking about or see what, what, what whatever church is talking about, right? It doesn't have to be, uh, well, it shouldn't be this, um, you know, this kind of, this kind of hands-off attitude like, ah, church would be there. I'll go to work some more, right? And this is for people like who already have enough. They've, they've, they, they've done what they got to do. They've worked there 40, 50 hours a week, but they're still wanting more, right? Because America tells us, get more, get more, get more, get, get more money, get, get more of this, right? So this is what the issue is with work. Are we working so much that we are missing the rest that is in Jesus? And that's it. So for those of y'all who don't know, I'm a, I'm a rapper too. So like that's an entendre right there. That's double entendre. I'm, I'm going to show it to you right now. Are we missing, are we working so much that we are missing the rest in Jesus? The rest as in like Sabbath, like chill, you know what I'm saying? Like just take a break, come to church, relax, chill out for a second. That rest, and then also the rest of Jesus. Like Jesus is like so much, right? But we don't see that so much because we're so busy on our work. We're so busy with concerned about everything else that we're missing the rest of what Jesus has to offer for us. So that's work. And then there's good old relationships. About to step on some toes real quick. I get it, I get it, I get it. Oh, but I love him. Oh, but I love her. You don't know, right, all that, all that. You know what I'm saying? I get it, I feel you on that, I'm not mad at that. But is that relationship worth losing Jesus for? Is that relationship worth missing out on what Jesus has for you? Is that person miss, worth missing out because of a little feeling you got? You know what I'm saying? We have to evaluate the relationships that are important to us, romantically speaking. Evaluate the relationships that you value in your life and see how they impact your relationship with God. Is that person drawing you closer to Jesus? Right? 
uh, 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 is Jesus the center of y'all's relationship, right? Like, is there even mention of Jesus? I have this theory. Again, this is not Bible. This is just my theory. I have this theory that the person that goes into the relationship with the most influence, that's where the relationship is going to go. Right? I've seen so many times people, like, start off in this kingdom mindset, but then their boyfriend or girlfriend now has them going this way. Right? And they started off on fire, started off, I'm going to get him saved, I'm going to get her saved, we're going to go to church, right, all that. But then relationships kind of get in the way of that. And these are the three things that Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the excuses of why we don't come into kingdom. Now, those are tangible, right? Materialism, work, and relationships, those are the tangible excuses. And that can be, you know, different for some people. Um, but these next ones are the intangible reasons, these are the intangibles. We value our comfortability more than we value change, right? Like, it's not comfortable to get up early in the morning and get kids ready and do all that and come to church and all that kind of good stuff. Then you got to sit around people that you don't even know, and then they try to make you do two minutes to talk, and you don't want to talk to anybody. You know what I'm saying? That's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. But do you want to grow? Do you want to stay the same? What are you really here for, right? Like, what is your mission about being in this kingdom? It's going to be uncomfortable. There will be some level of sacrifice that you will have to make if you truly want to change. What sacrifices have you made to change? We value secrecy more than we value vulnerability. We like having secrets. We like not telling people about ourselves. We like having people thinking we got it all together. And we come in here with that big Hill City smile, and we come in here like, man, this place is amazing. <laughs> but if we're honest, this place is just full of broken people. And in this community, we should not have to, have to put on for anybody. We should not have to uh, uh, come here and be like, man, I'm really breaking down on the inside. But I can't show them that, right? But in the kingdom, we can show that. In the kingdom, there's vulnerability. And this is good because this is how we get tightened it together. People, real kingdom people, they don't want to know your business just to know it. They want to know it so that they can help you grow and so they can pray for you and so they, they can get you what you need in order to get to that next level. This is the kingdom. This is what Jesus is inviting us into. But we value our secrecy more than our vulnerability. We put more value in our own feelings than what God has already said about us. We put more value in our own feelings than what God has already said about us. So in my social group here at Hill City, actually, all, all my friends, like, I'm like the hype man, if y'all couldn't tell. I'm like the hype man in, like, my social groups, right? Like, like, I'm the one, like, if you're feeling down or, like, you know, let's say, let's say somebody just, like, left your life or, like, they broke up with you or whatnot, like, I'm that dude that's going to tell you, like, bro, you don't need him, bro. Like, you are you. Do you understand who you are, bro? Like, like I'm that guy, right? Like, I be, it's, it's wild. But anyway, so, so like, but for real, for real, I'm only telling them things about themselves that God has already said about them, right? I'm only telling them things about themselves that, are, that, that they would know, right, if they were in the kingdom, if they were reading this Bible, if they were understanding what God feels about us and says about us. God's, yo, God talks wild about us, y'all. Like, he's crazy about us. God says you're the head not to tell. God says that you are royalty. 
right? God says that we are his greatest creation. Us! <laughs> like, that's wild. Like, God could have made you a roach, but he decided to make you a human. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a big deal. Right? So when I get approved by God, I don't care what that girl told, said about me. I'm me. Right? <laughs> and that's the attitude that I be trying to tell people. Like, of course, you know, in all humbleness, like, we, like I have that, you know, the God, God confidence. But, like, that, that is why we have to understand that in the kingdom, uh, 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 we have to put more value in what God says about us than what we think about ourselves. Because if you leave yourself to your own self, you're going to think you're not pretty enough. You're going to think you don't got enough money. You, you, you're going you, to think that you can't talk. You're going to think that you're not whatever enough, right? Because your feelings will tell you whatever, right? But think about this. Your feelings are temporary. What God has said about you is eternal. God said those things about you before you were even born. You know what I'm saying? Before you even had a feeling to, to, to struggle with. So we have to put our value in what God has already said about us more than what we think about ourselves and our own feelings. And you get all this inside the kingdom. You get all this inside this invite that Jesus is telling us to come to. So why we make excuses? I have no idea. Have no idea why we make excuses about why we don't want to come into this place. Jesus here in this scripture is also destroying the myth that salvation is only for a certain person or a certain group of people or a certain, you know, community, right? Because he says, oh, word, those people who I invited, they don't want to come? Oh, all right, I got something for that. You know what? Go get those people. Tell them to come. Matter of fact, go get those people too. Tell them to come. Oh, oh the house still ain't full? Go get them, go get them, go get them, go get, right? And he's breaking down the myth that this idea of salvation is not tied to just one community. It's not tied to just one political party. It's not tied to just, to just one whatever, right? But it's for everybody. And that is the good news. That is the good news that this idea of the invite is for everybody. There's freedom in knowing that. There's freedom in knowing that. There's freedom in knowing that, that, man, I actually can come as messed up and as broken and as, you know, just not together as I am. Jesus still wants me, and Jesus still loves me, and Jesus calls me friend, and Jesus desires and wants this relationship with me. There's so much freedom in that, so much freedom. And still we make excuses about why we don't want to come into this beautiful thing called the kingdom of God. There's freedom in knowing that you need a savior. It's when you know that you need a savior that you begin to become more thankful for the things that God has done in your life. And you're more aware because you know where you could be or where you were and where Jesus is taking you. Some of us haven't gotten to the I used to be here, but now I'm on this side, right? We're still trying to, trying to make that journey to the other side. But there's freedom in knowing that Jesus is with you on that journey and that Jesus cares about you. All we have to do literally is accept this invite. So now that we have a better idea of what we've been invited to, the next question that I want to ask you guys, the next question that, that I think is apropos to say what is my responsibility? 
what do I do now that I understand what I have been invited to, now that I understand how Jesus feels about me, now that I understand that I could be a little bit entitled, now that I understand, you know, these intangible, intangible things uh, uh, of why I may not be here as much as I want or I may not be in the kingdom as much as I want. What do I do? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew, he said two letters, and he said, I want you to G-O, go. He said, I want you to go. I want you to go and tell everybody about this party that you've been to, and I want you to make sure my house is full. He says, go, 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 right? He says, go and tell somebody about what's going on here. The same way that somebody told you about this is the same way I want you to tell somebody else because I want my house to be full. Jesus' uh, 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 will always gets done. It's going to be so great that he wants us to be a part of it. So he's telling us to go. He says, go to Short Pump, go to Dinwiddie, go to Northside, go to East End, go to Bonaire, go to Ashland, go to Petersburg, go! And tell people about this kingdom. One of the greatest things that we have as believers in Jesus is going to tell people about this. We have to keep the wonder of what the cross means in our heart. We have to keep that wonder in front of our face. We have to keep that fire going. I think about when you first decided to follow Jesus. You may have been scared. You may have been like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I want this. I know I've heard about this Jesus person and I want to try it out. I've tried everything else, but I want to try Jesus, right? And he's, he's, he's beginning to change your heart affections. He's beginning to change your life little by little by little. He's beginning to be more faithful than anybody else has been in your life. And we have to keep that wonder of what Jesus did for us and what Jesus is doing for us because that is how we get people in the kingdom. Because they see how on fire you are and they're like, yo, I want that. I want that. Whatever you got, I want it. What do I got to do to get it? Gotta bring them in. Bring them into the kingdom. Tear down everything that they may have heard about the kingdom. That's not true. Tear down their mindset about what they heard about Christianity or the church or all these things associated with following Jesus. You be Jesus that they need. You be the Jesus that they see. And then introduce them to Jesus. We have to go. We can't just sit here and hear this and not do anything. This week, you can tell somebody about the party that we're having. It don't got to be Hill City. But get them in. Get them in a Bible-believing church. Get them in a discipleship group. Get them in a community group. This is how we grow. This is how we grow the kingdom. We have to go. What if I took serious what it meant to be a Christian? If I knew and understood exactly what was my mission? If I treated going to church like it was my nine to five, showing up every Sunday because I needed to survive? What if I really did the things that Jesus asked and not try to change the scriptures so they work on my behalf? What if I was okay with being inconvenienced? for the sake of the body and the people that really need it? 
What if I understood what the cross really meant and that all the money in the bank wouldn't amount to what he spent? He'd been asking us for years, and still, some have no clue. But what if we understood exactly what we've been invited to? <laughs>